Yes. Hello, hello, hello. This is another episode of the Mental Threats Podcast. This is episode 94. I'm here with the one, the only Alex Andrea, if she'd like to introduce herself. Yes, so I am Alex Andrea. I have started my artistic journey as a writer and a spoken word artist. I've expanded into photography, videography, graphic design, um, hosting, both in person and podcast. So I do a lot. I do what I can while I can. Oh, jack of all trades and everything. That's, that's cool. And currently you're living in uh, Atlanta right now, correct? Yes. Yeah, so I'm originally from New York, Mount Vernon, New York, next to the Bronx. Like if I ever claim to borrow, it would be the Bronx. That's cool. Um, and yeah, I'm definitely, I'm an East Coast girl. So I've lived in a lot of other states um, prior to Atlanta, but I've been in Atlanta about six years. Oh, nice. And how are you liking it down there? You know, Atlanta and I, we have good days and we have bad days, but we love each other. <laughs> okay. I've been thinking maybe you'll be having a ball, you know, it's kind of like, I see like Atlanta as being like Black Mecca. So it's like, I just assume like, you know. It truly like, is. And that's what, you know, at the end of the day, always like keeps my heart. But I feel like in every city I've lived in, including Charlotte, I've always been lucky enough to find the right people and, you know, find out about the types of events you might not see on an app or like on Eventbrite or something like it's always like one of those you got to know somebody to know somebody and get to the place where you need to be. And I've found a lot of that in Atlanta that made it like my third home, basically. Okay, so that's your third home. I know you say you start from the Bronx, and I but you lived in other states too. And how long did you live in Charlotte? So basically, I I went to Winthrop University, so that's in Rock Hill, oh. and that's about thirty minutes away. So during my junior year, like that fall, that's when I decided I wanted to start an organization, which is called Deaf Poet Society. And that's when I started going up to Charlotte for different spoken word events. So I started at Apostrophe Lounge. Then they put me on to Dup and Swat. Then I started going out to Reds. And any other time, you know, we needed to like, me and my friends, we needed to like cram and study or something. We would go to Amelie's when it used to be 24-7. So I started um, really like vibing with Charlotte my junior year of college. Then I spent one more year there prior to moving to Atlanta. Oh, okay, that's cool. And when did you graduate from Winthrop? I graduated in 2015. Oh, okay, cool. I, gra- I just graduated from North Carolina Central University. Um, Congrats, yes. Yes, 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 yes. Seriously, out of an HBCU, loved it. Loved every second I spent over there. I mean, I might have my up days and my, uh, my low days, but the experience was very, very essential for me. And uh, my success going forward. So it's, you know, everywhere I go, I just, I always rep NCCU. And so is Winthrop an HBCU also, or is it just? It is not. It is, as they would say, a PWI. But for those of us that were people of color there, we would call it Rock Hill State University. (laughs) When we would basically have like different Greek events and just original events as well. Like there are a lot of people that have graduated from Winthrop that created events and organizations there that happen on an annual basis. So I don't know if you follow um, Dammit Wesley. Mm, I think I've heard of that name. I'm not sure if I follow him though. 
Right. So he's an artist and he also went to um, Boo, as we call it. And um, he created the Swagger Jacked event. And it's just so dope how, you know, you just you put all the right people in the same place and you see what happens. And it's stuck around. It's still going on to this day. And I just I love that about Winthrop is that even though it was a PWY, we were able to foster a community amongst ourselves and still flourish. Oh, okay, that's wonderful. That's great to hear and everything. You know, you know, it's always good to get your degree and go to college and everything. I prefer anything that's HBCU. But I feel like you had a wonderful time at Winthrop. That's great. I think I passed by that. I think my uncle lived not too far from there. I think I'm not too sure because I know he lived next to some universe, and I think that might have been uh, the one in uh, Rock Hill um, and stuff of that nature. So it's just like I understand uh, that you. Um, became a writer and a poet is there anything that kind of just kind of drove you into being to to basically like uh, showcasing your skills through a uh, poet poetry and uh or um uh writing and stuff of that nature what led you to express yourself that way i have always wanted to be a writer um since i was little i started really writing like comprehensively because it's like you know kids they'll write some things and be like this don't really make sense but it's cute (laughs) I I think like around when I was eight is when things really started to make sense um during that year my father got me um a book by Maya Angelou I still have it to this day um it's a it's an anthology of her poetry Mm. and so between her and I was I've always been a blurred as well so during my lunch breaks, often I would go to the library and I don't remember what led me to it. It might have just been on display, but Shel Silverstein is also one of my favorite poets and like his illustrations and everything. <laughs> it's always like just warm my heart. But um, that's when I started writing poetry. And then I started doing spoken word around middle school. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember they were having like an open mic competition type thing it wasn't quite slam and I didn't really know what slam was when I was like 11 12 years old mm-hmm. but they had something like that and that's when I really got into it um and started submitting my work to different places throughout high school I also was a part of a poetry club and then you know I went to college and my degrees are in English and theater so I double majored um with a concentration in creative writing as well as visual and performance art. And so once I put those two things together by my junior year, I was like, I've got to start an organization. I want to see more of this. I need to find my people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, yeah, um, pretty much I did that. And like I said, um, I started branching out to the Charlotte area once I finally got a car, like nothing could stop me then. I was everywhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and that's when I met up with like, you know, abstracts the super friends um and uh granny's boys and lovely and um lady v all of them were like my big brothers and sisters because at that time i was like 19 20 years old and they all like really had you know time in and really know like how to how to model what i wanted to become like i remember someone once asked me they were just like um because I'm also in a business fraternity. (laughs) So I do a lot of that too. I always try to focus on like, how can we make art more valuable? How can we 
fix what the business process looks like for that and it not just be somebody create something and people think oh that's cute you should just be giving it to the world for free it's like no I put a lot of time sweat material equipment all of that into this so teaching others how to do what I do and what I've seen others do has always been a part of the foundation for me and I saw them do that Um, but like I was saying someone once asked me you know do you have any role models And I remember my answer was, I hope to become the role model that I wanted to see when I needed to see that. Um, And the world really manifested that for me through them. Oh, wow. That's great, man. It's great when we manifest like our own like circle of friends and everything that share the same interests and like kind of help us grow in a sense. And it's just like, I can really like resonate with falling in love with your college city and everything. I know like I'm thinking about moving out of North Carolina to pretty much just stay in D.C. until like I get my master's and I get my master's and doctor's it's degree and then you know oh, I have to yeah, yes. yeah I want to go to Howard University my my father goes to um I'm, my father uh works at the hospital there and everything awesome. so pretty much touch and base so I'm supposed to move there this year but a whole lot of plans got kind of thrown into the win with that so until then I'm just focusing on my podcast and maybe soon hopefully I can get back in the studio again and see if I can drop some music again before the end of the year that would be wonderful um but uh, but uh yeah man like falling in love with your like college city I know I fell in love with Durham and Raleigh and the Chapel Hill area when I went out um to live uh to when I went out to go to school at NCCU and I you ain't take ATNC uh what no I went to (laughs) NCCU Ma'am. Right, right. I was saying that my cousin went to AT&T and so I was like, I oh, lived in um, Greensboro oh. during 10th grade. So that's why I was like, what? No Ooh. Aggie pride? <laughs> All about that Eagle pride. Beat him in the classic last time. See, Victor's the Eagles too. So that's all right. That's all right. We, we it's, it's, y'all. <laughs> it's all HBCU. So like I'm, all my people who go to HBCUs, you're all brothers and sisters to me. So it's all, it's all, right, it's all, right. it's all good on that end. But uh, yeah, you know, like, but that area in general, it's just like a lot of younger people, like in our age group and in, in our twenties and stuff are usually moving into our college cities because it's like, you know, that's the town where it's like, we kind of really found a, a lot of us found ourselves and how there's a whole lot of like uh, opportunities out there. Also, you know, I, I think Raleigh might be amongst like uh, one of the number one cities um, to move to in uh, the United States. I think those one list I saw, so it's just like, you know, like if I had to move back to North Carolina and, and like if I wasn't going to move back to Charlotte, it would definitely be uh, Raleigh because, you know, I kind of grew up in Charlotte. So it's like, you know, you don't want to stay in the same town you grew up in too long. You know, I feel like, you know, I'm 24, I'm going 25 next year. So it's just like, you know, it's just not, it's just not, it's not banging. You know what I mean? It's just. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about all that. City. I always say to people, yeah. you can always go back home because mad people ask me like, why didn't you go back to New York? And it's like, I still have family there. So I feel like I can always go home. Exactly. And there's so much of the world to see. And growing up, I moved around a lot. So it wasn't unnatural for me to move out to Atlanta or to spend some time in Charlotte and all of that. And I grew up like half between the North and South. So I feel very privileged and cultured in being able, being able to have the best of both worlds when it comes to like the nuances and like the traditions and you know, the things you can't always pick up in a book, like you really just got to spend time there. And so I've always really appreciated that. Yeah, no, seriously, man. Was it like your dream city, Atlanta, to move to and everything? It was not. Um, Atlanta was definitely like one of my top five. 
but I don't think anything's ever going to take the number one spot over New York for me, of course. (laughs) But yeah, but um, Atlanta has always definitely been on my top five of places that I would want to live and buy property. Like growing up, my dad has always said, so my dad's side of the family is from Orangeburg, South Carolina. Mm. And I spent fourth grade there for like one whole year. And prior to that and after that, I would spend summers there. So I remember like growing up, just driving along like the pavement and then you get off that and then you get on a dirt road then you get off that then you go through the woods and then that's where like you see just so many different houses and family and family friends and all of that and my dad was always just very adamant he's like when you grow up get you a patch of dirt and you know you live your life you enjoy your life and so Atlanta seeing the property value here back like during my senior year of college was definitely one of the places I could see myself doing that it's like feasibly because New York prices has always been high (laughs) like since before I was born (laughs) but um it seemed a lot more feasible um in the south for me to acquire that and enjoy my life at the same time okay well that's cool man it's like you know so you plan to get land around Atlanta specifically or just in Georgia just in Georgia, it doesn't have to be Atlanta, but um, I I would definitely want to be like, maybe not near the city, but I could commute. Yeah, like maybe an hour, hour and a half or so of a drive to get to the city when I want to like go out and do something that might not be in the area. Because I, I know I definitely want somewhere with land and where it's quiet and I feel at peace and don't got to, you know, worry about the riffraff that be going on. <laughs> No, really, for real, man. I feel that. Like, I know, like, on my my manifestation journal or on my uh, vision board, I definitely, like, want to retrieve, like, at least, like, about a good, like, 100 to 200 acres of land for yeah, sure yeah, yeah. and everything, at least in North Carolina, because, like, that's where, like, most of my family settled into, like, out of Liberia and everything. So it's, like, yeah, this is kind of, like, the hot spot, you know? Like, I was even talking to my uncle, like, um, like last night, where we were even talking about, like, just how, like, literally, since North Carolina is basically, like, the hot spot, that's where we're going to have our whole uh, family reunions and everything thing like that so so i could definitely see like maybe getting somewhere like maybe in the middle maybe somewhere around like the maybe raleigh chapel hill area somewhere in north Carolina. that's not too much in the country but like you know just just a commutable to like a a town like maybe greensboro or uh maybe uh raleigh or or maybe even charlotte who knows maybe somewhere in rock hill maybe in south Carolina area right right or like out in york because i remember like some of my professors had property out there too and it was always like just it was just mad cool and i visit now and again so i could see myself buying like a forever home in north or south carolina as well as like near the border especially because it's just like i get the best of both it only takes me 30 minutes to cross the border cool beans (laughs) just so just like i'll be thinking about like medea's family reunion or something they just have that house and they just always came back to the house of family reunions and stuff like that like i could i could see something like that for my family maybe like my family actually had our family reunion in charlotte in 2018 oh wow okay how'd that go yeah So I wish I could talk about it, but I actually wasn't there that year. But they told me that because it was one of those things, too, where it's like I didn't feel like I was missing out on much because I also visit my family throughout the year. So it was more about hearing their reactions. And I love like even when my aunt 
my aunt and uncle, like when they visit me in Atlanta, I'll drive them around and they'll be looking like, okay, how long does it take to get to the city? And me being me, I drive around the country parts. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm like, y'all need to get more of this, especially since like they're thinking about buying another house in the South too. And so like, I make sure like I, you know, hopefully I'm also not just driving them around, but spending time with them, driving through like the more metro and rural areas because it's like y'all don't get enough of this in new york i know for for a fact <laughs> so it's like enjoy the scenery and we'll be driving around and my i'm gonna be like is that a farm like for real <laughs> oh, you, like, you, you trying to start a farm too on your a new family home no nah, i don't know about all that uh-uh. <laughs> but she's just always surprised like kind of how like some people i don't know if you know or how well you know atlanta but like some people will say like Buckhead turned to Bankhead real quick. And it's just like that in Mount Vernon too, where it's like, you'll be in the hood part and then you'll be driving straight for about 10 minutes. And next thing you know, you in like a gentrified upscale looking area. And Atlanta is a lot like that too. So like, I'll be driving them and they'll be like, how far are we from the city? I'm like about 10 minutes, five, 10 minutes. And they're like, how are we all the way out in the country? But it's right there. And it's like, the South is like that. I love that. <laughs> I mean, I think it's pretty cool. You know, it just kind of gets the best of both worlds about having to go right. way, 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 way out and everything. Like, you know, it's just like, you know, Charlotte, we're in the South and stuff. And like, when I say like, maybe you had to go like way, way out. Like, uh, I'm thinking maybe not even like Morrisville. I'm thinking maybe further than that. Like, you got to be somewhere like out and about. Like, I, I can't really give an example off the top of my head. Like, It's like, going? are there hiking trails nearby? Yeah. You know, like that. Like it's the... like, you don't got to be in the forest. You don't got to be like, you know, in the mountains somewhere, but it's like, is it close enough where you could take a walk and breathe and really like, you know, just enjoy nature. But if you wanted to like go grab brunch after the hike, how long is it going to take you to get there? <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, I can feel that, man. I ain't never been to brunch before. That's that's something I need to knock off my bowl list. Pretty cool. Yeah, I don't know brunching with the right people is a vibe, no, especially no, in Charlotte. Yeah, because I'd be literally, um, because I've been in this whole group chat, like this groomy group chat and everything called 24 and Plus, and it'd just be people like 24 and Plus and Charlotte and everything, and they'd be putting events like, you know, like, like freaking brunches and stuff of that nature. I think I interviewed a couple people off there uh, right. also, you know, so like definitely like if I have some spare time and if like I'm not uh, trying to get some matters together, I would definitely like, pull up to like brunch and everything. I'm, I'm definitely interested in the mimosas and stuff. I don't, I don't <laughs> yes, stuff. for the bottomless mimosas. I would definitely recommend that. Um, that's that's just it's always like I end up going to brunches after meeting people at other events. But there are brunch events specifically for like networking. And I really I really like that. I appreciate that in both cities in Charlotte and Atlanta. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know. It's just like, so, like, I know you spent some time in Charlotte and Atlanta. What's the biggest contrast, if you say, between Charlotte and Atlanta? I know we're kind of like a southern metropolitan cities, but I always feel like Atlanta had the whole, like, black mecca type situation going for it. And I feel like Charlotte's kind of growing that black identity a little bit more over time and everything. Well, what, from your experience, well, what, what do you feel like is the contrast, the biggest contrast between Atlanta and Charlotte? So you just kind of hit the nail on the head. It's kind of both because like there are a lot of um, there is a large black community in Charlotte. But because Atlanta is already known for that, people's mentality about the spaces we're in are different. So like the way they approach things are different, just kind of like 
how it would be the difference between Atlanta and New York. So I would say like what I get from Charlotte or what I got from Charlotte when I was there um, on a daily basis is like that tight knit feel to things. Whereas like when you're in a city, you're, you, you could know mad people, but it's always like you're searching for more. Like, you know, the web can extend even further. And so you're always like looking for these different events. Whereas like when you're in Charlotte, I feel like you can grow a more daily routine or weekly routine of like who you're going to link up with and just, just chill. But like when you're in city cities like that, um, that are a little more congested, it feels like there's always something to do. There's always somewhere to go. There's always somebody to meet, depending on like what your focus is as well. Um, and so that was definitely one of my focuses for when I moved here is like um, just expanding that network even more and not necessarily like even, oh, I'm leaving Charlotte behind or I'm leaving New York behind because that was one of the things that also let me know Charlotte was a home to me and a foundation for me is when I first moved here, like my very first year, like I started going to this spot called Urban Grime and I hosted there for two years as well. But um, I remember that was one of my first spots that I hit up and I would go there on a weekly basis. They had a spoken word event. Um, and so one of the hosts about nine months later, he was like, I've been hosting here for about 10 years and I see you doing your thing. You not only come here, but you're out in the community, you're meeting everybody. Would you like to host? And I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> and his name was Infrared. Um, or is infrared he's still alive still alive <laughs> but um he he um he he was hosting there for about 10 years and expanded into some other things like comedy and acting and everything so he provided me with that platform and that really opened up a lot of doors for me and when I tell you Charlotte like Charlotte family poetry family was there the next week it was so real like we started linking up we started putting on um independent events for them to come out to. So the Super Friends definitely came out, Queen City Collective. Um, we had an event there. Some individuals that I met at Apostrophe and Up and Swat, they would just pop up on me. Like even Blues just popped up on me one night. It was like, what you got going on here? <laughs> and I was just like flabbergasted because, you know, people say like, oh, I'm gonna visit, I'm gonna come see you. And that might not happen. And I've lived in a lot of places where it's like, I wish that I spent more time with people because, you know, it's like going off, like when you're leaving school for summer in high school and it's like, oh, we're going to do all these things, but you don't actually see those people to the next school year. Charlotte wasn't like that. Charlotte definitely like kept me close and was just like, I'm going to see you when I see you. And that's going to be whenever, whenever we really wanted to be, we just started planning events and they would come out and I started visiting them as well. Even had like an album listening party for one of the um, hip hop artists that I know from up there as well. Like he came down to Atlanta and did a poetry feature at Urban Grind. And then we rented out a separate venue and had an album listening party like the very next night. So Charlotte, I just, it's one of those things like I can keep describing some of the things that happen, but it's one of those like intangible, indescribable feelings where you're just like, ah, love, <laughs> love and support and foundation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's for real, man. It's just like, that's cool that you enjoyed your experience with Charlotte and everything. I mean, heck, I grew up here. so I, <laughs> I want to like hear more about yours, too, because it's just like, 
I know you, you said you grew up there, so you kind of like wanted to spread your wings and expand more, but do you feel as though you had that same support and foundation there? I mean, Charlotte is, for me, it's just been more like a, like, really, like, like, you know, like how, like, life is like a box of chocolates. I feel like Charlotte has been a box of lessons for me, <laughs> to Ooh. be honest. And I was like, you know, like, I'm slowly right now in my adult stage right now, I'm learning to, like, reconnect with people a little bit more easier now and everything. Uh, to tell the truth, like, I've always had, like, issues, like, uh, stretching, like, from middle school all the way to high school and everything, because, like, my mom used to put me in, like, the predominantly white schools, like, in Matthews or, like, in Valentine Plantations area. So it's like, you know, oh, it, was, gotcha, gotcha. it was cool at some points, but it was, like, a whole lot of struggles and a whole lot of discrimination I had to face. Um, a lot of it, you know, in the forms of racism, colorism, elitism, and stuff of that nature, you know? So it's like, you know, having to learn to really overcome that. And that's what kind of led me down my path of wanting to be a poet also, because I felt like that was my way of me actually like venting out in a sense, you know? And it's just like, I felt like maybe it would have been a like a different experience had I went to maybe Hawthorne or Garinger or maybe, uh, you know, Rocky River, like high school, you know? Cause it's just like, it's not saying I had to be hood, but I feel like it was more like in my lane, you know? Cause it's like, you know, I, I live on East side Charlotte. So it's just right. like, you know, but now I'm, I'm being shoehorned in these these areas and it's like, I feel like a like a fish out of water type, you know what I mean? And it's I definitely just, do. Yeah, it's just like, you be seeing some hood people too in the schools also, but it's like, it's not like the humble type of hood, you know, like I'm, like, I'm not trying to say like, I'm hood hood. I'm just like, I'm not too like, you know, you like I'm hood that are just like too overly <laughs> like materialistic and everything. You know, right. it's just like, dude, it's not even that much of a sweat, to be honest. Like, they're so focused on status and stuff of that nature. And it's just like, you know, I always had to bump heads with folk like that. They were so, like, shallow and materialistic and everything. Not really me just bumping heads, but them just really having a problem with me and just me not really giving them any type of day. Because it's just like, you know, like, why should I like be bothered by whatever issues you're having with yourself you know it's just like mm. come on like that's just I, I don't know man it's just the way I grew up man I'm just I feel like I just kind of grew up like you know I grew up a little bit older like mentally and spiritually and even in soul so it's just like you know I just kind of felt like you know like, sure like an adult in a kindergarten class like a lot of your things and your values aren't the same as what I would value so it's just like, you know, from then on, I always had issues, uh, you know, uh, trying to navigate between that. But in regards to my relationship with Charlotte, it's just like, I love Charlotte and everything. I love us, like, as the underdog city, because there's not a whole lot of, like, you know, notable people that come out of Charlotte, you know? And then it's just like, not trying to say I'm trying to, try to be that notable person, but it's just, like, I feel like we're really starting to get things together now in, in this decade, in the 2020s, where it's like, by the end of this decade, like, I feel like we could really be, like, on the map, like, whether it be, like, in other types of entertainment or hip-hop or music or anything. I feel like it's really just a matter of just really just uh, really supporting each other and our resources and stuff in that nature, and I feel like we could really carry through for the rest of the decade uh, and stuff. Um, but until then, we're just going to have to just keep working hard and stuff of that nature and that's just that's just it so that's just, that's so just. that's one of the things that's like is good and bad about charlotte and the south in general and um, i keep in mind sorry i don't mean to cut up but we got like eight minutes just letting you know so it's like once we get to like right. two minutes left just gotta know that you know we gotta probably cut this off and hop back on just so they don't cut you off in the middle you know just letting you know got you got you um six minutes <laughs> so that's two things um that i have like 
that I reflect on too. And I actually recently had a conversation about that. So growing up, I went to four elementary schools, two middle schools and four high schools. And that was split between the North and the South. And so in particular, as I had mentioned earlier, I spent my fourth grade year in Orangeburg, South Carolina. And it was, it was a, from what I remember, it was a mixture of students there, but it definitely was like more white dominant. And mm-hmm. so when it came to, and in 10th grade too, I spent that in Greensboro, North Carolina. And during both those years, and it's like, wow, from fourth grade all the way till 10th grade, still facing those same racial and colorist and just ignorant kind of like um, reactions from students who just sort of like flaunt that dominance of being a Southerner and what it means to be a Southerner. And so people from out of state, such as myself, like me coming from New York with all of my slang and my different kind of clothes and dressing how I want and having a certain, like, I don't feel as though I've ever been the type of um, person to like have an attitude toward others. Like I've always been the quiet girl more so, and I've always been the new girl. So that's part of why I'm quiet. Cause it's just like, I'm not finna approach somebody that I don't know like that, <laughs> you know? So, and, like I did not grow up like fighting people and, you know, just different shit like that. So I'm oh, sorry. I don't know if we are allowed to cuss on here, but I, I don't know. Often, You're free to but, cuss. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, you know, I didn't grow up with certain types of issues, but I definitely had to battle those internal and external circumstances of, people challenging like my identity and my blackness and who I was as a person um, from my accent to the way that I look to the way that, you know, just all of that. And that's actually a part of the business foundation that I developed here as well. It's called Afro eccentric. Mm -hmm. And so I trademarked that word last year. Um, And I feel as though a lot of that nurturing came from Charlotte, as you said, being the underdog about things, because when people are underdogs, they're kind of, I feel as though it's just, it's, it's being the minority of, of the, the group, of the area. And so they are adamant about who they are as people and it's just like there's just certain things about them that aren't going to change regardless of what everyone else is doing they're not going to hop on just any trend just because it's popping it's just like nah I've always been into this and that's cool for me and this is what I enjoy and if you rock with it cool and so that's a part of like what really drew me to gravitate toward the people that I do in the spoken word community because they embrace me with open arms especially um like I face some of those things at Winthrop as well, where it's just like people want to try you because they're like, well, that's not what blackness typically looks like. So you're not really black or like you talk like a white girl or you must be an Oreo. I didn't get none of that kind of shade, you know, from the poetry community in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. They were pretty much like, we love you just how you are. Where'd you yeah. pick that up from? Why you like that? Yeah. <laughs> it's the same way at HBCU, bro. Like, no one's going to yeah. be like, oh, you sound white. Like, dude, it's like, there's all types of Black people exactly. going to HBCU. That's why I love HBCU, like, because everybody has a place. So it's like, no one felt, like, boxed out or anything in the way. You just get in wherever you want to get into. But you ain't had to try hard. That was one thing. I exactly. Unless you, want to try to get, unless you want to get into a fraternity. But even that, that's not even hard. It's just a matter of just, like, being consistent. Like, I knew a lot of people in Sigma's 
that I could have joined up with because I wanted to be in, I wanted to join Sig Sigma's low key, but it's just like it just became more time consuming and I didn't think I had the money for it. So it's just like, you know, it's just. There's always grad chapter. Always grad yeah, chapter. Definitely. I'm definitely going to join the grad chapter. <laughs> Brotherhood is all about who you link up with, not necessarily just the title. That's what I always tell people. It's not about whether you're going to be this or that, it's about who you vibe with and who's going to be there for you in the future. And whatever they are, then maybe that's where you belong. And if not, y'all can still be cool. Y'all still friends. Yeah, man. I can't wait to come back for homecoming, man. Like, I'm, I, I need to get my hotel, like, mad quick. Word. Yeah. Reserve it today. <laughs> I mean, and it's going to be around the time. I don't even know if I should even get a hotel. Because I know, like, uh, one of my mans actually... um that stay there, um, stay, that still goes to NCCU, like, I think he still lives in Austin, and they've had them big, big old dormitory hotels, so, so I might just crash on his couch or something just to save money. Right, right, exactly, like and that's how it is when I visit Charlotte now, literally, I was, I was up there, and someone I met from, and wait, hold on, before I even dive into that story, where were you at on time? We want to stop now and then come back? Uh, yeah, most definitely. And the cool thing, cool. I'm glad you said that because it's like we got two minutes and uh, 50 seconds. So, yeah, we can definitely hop on uh, for part two of episode uh, 94 with Alex Andrea and everything. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, definitely. Sounds good. Let me just stop the recording right quick. Do you hear anything in the background? Uh-uh. All right, cool, good. All right, cool. Oh yeah, so uh, you you're going on about like your foundations and Charlotte and stuff of that nature. Um, um, is there anything else you like to go on more about? Um, in regards to your uh, or add to that whole equip of uh, your foundations here in Charlotte from uh the poetry slams and the poetry community here in Charlotte. Yeah, for sure. So um, similar to what you were speaking on, um, when it comes to like homecoming festivities, I feel like every time I visit Charlotte, I get that vibe that people from out of town get and it's like I'm not really from out of town like that but I feel like a tourist every time I come back because I'll I'll meet somebody new every time I'm there and they'll invite me to something the next day and then we link up and it's <laughs> it's like oh my gosh I love this city I'm gonna move out here like I get that kind of feeling every time I visit Charlotte and I never have to worry about a place to sleep so one because my mom lives there but two I've I've met like this a crew of people like I call them the crew because literally like about seven of us, like seven to 10 of us will after a show or something, I'll go back to one of our friends' place and we're all just chilling, sitting around, vibing, talking about like real shit. And it remind it's one of those moments and a group of those people that I'm lucky enough to remember why I do what I do. And I say that to other people, the best advice that's been passed on to me is always remember your why. Why do you do what you do? And so three parts to that is my book is called Altars and Affirmations. Mm. Um, it is a mini memoir. Uh, it has about four parts of like a lot of what we talked about today as well, but it, it dives even deeper into like where I picked up a lot of wisdom from the people I've met on this journey and the people that I've read about in mad books, the, the things that weren't necessarily taught me in school, but how school taught me how to find those people. And so it's a lot of black women, uh, civil rights leaders, politicians, authors, artists, just every genre that might be underrepresented when it comes to black women being the leader in that. And so a lot of people will think, 
oh, I don't know about doing that. It might not be for me because maybe they're not going to uh, value my input. Like, you know, it's more difficult, or at least in my opinion, I feel as though it is more difficult for Black women, our work and our input to be valued in spaces where everyone else has already already has a seat at the table, but it's so necessary. And I, I'm reaffirmed in that every time I do research on Black women who have done so and who have paved the way for other Black women to, you know, take that baton and take the helm of that so much further than it was once before. Um, like I think of how Shirley Chisholm back in the 70s paved the way for Kamala Harris that we have today. It, it'd be things like that that really remind me of why I do what I do and why it's important for me to stick with it. But um, so that's those are four different parts in my book. And it's surrounded by poetry that speak on themes of culture, womanism, mental health and ultimately like perseverance and faith. And when I say faith, I don't necessarily mean religious. I know a lot of people get that tone in my book because that is how I was raised, but I am more spiritual now because I feel as though I've been lucky enough to meet so many different people who have taken the time to explain to me what their culture or what their beliefs are. And who am I to tell them, oh, well, that's not how I was raised, so that must be wrong, you know? So I've, I've definitely grown to be a lot more open-minded and it helped me shape the way I speak in my work. Um, and so I call it Altars and Affirmations for that very reason is because it is a book for people to read and maybe not in one sitting. It, I feel as though it's the kind of book that you can read while you're going through something. And so it's, it's a journey. And I, I wrote it in that way where it starts from when I'm younger and, and growing and the different lessons you pick up, like that coming of age feel where when you're trying to overcome certain obstacles and circumstances, that is the time for you to pick up my book and you can turn to a random page and you might get a poem, you might get a quote, a mantra. I have a page specifically for different self-care um, therapies that people can partake in. I have a page specifically for hotlines and helplines for mental health um, consultations. There are a lot of different tools within the book to help people um, sort of shape their mind in the way that I've been able to, to not only um, protect myself from a lot of the harsh impacts this world can have, but also to dig deeper within oneself. Like I have a page um, that says, are you a testimony or are you a sacrifice? And then there are other pages that will define words from what I research, but people might, might be able to discuss that with someone else to really challenge like those critical thinking skills on what that means for them and how do they show that each day. And overall, I feel as though the book helps people to discover how to show up for themselves every day. So yeah, it's it's a lot packed into it. I'm so proud of it, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's cool. No, you should be proud of me. I mean, that's a milestone. Like making a book, that's no easy feat, and everything. Like I also have interest in authoring my own book and everything. I already have the ideas down and everything uh, for it and everything. It just stretches from like you know uh, virtual reality 
um, black market type situations, kidnapping, you know, so it's, it's like a whole right. thing. I'll explain it to you one other, I don't want to say like on here before someone steal my idea. In a right, way, right. <laughs> copy written, so don't copy me. <laughs> I, oh, no, I can't copy you. You're already published. No, book. it's it's a Missy Elliott line. Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, you're definitely intertwined with the early 2000s. Missy Elliott, shout out Missy Elliott. But seriously, um, but uh, yeah, man, like to really like publish your own book and everything. You published in your 20s, correct? Um, so yes, I published it um, at 28, and that's the other part of what I was going to dive into as well. So I started a publishing company as well. I have the the part of that that I have down pat is workshopping with others and getting them to the level of uh, their work being what first and foremost copywritten, well researched, well thought through, so that you're not just putting something into the world and then you regret it 20 years later. I definitely love material that ages well, so people can't just send me any old thing now and be like, "Oh, Alex, can you give me feedback on that?" Because I'm not gonna lie, I do know that I can have a fierce pen. I'm not mean, but I am very detail oriented where I'm just like, can you see yourself, especially if you're a spoken word artist, like I feel as though there's poetry and material that's meant for page and there is poetry and material that's meant for stage. And not everybody knows that fine line between both. And I do have like, not only the educational experience behind that, but the firsthand experience with that on how does this translate to someone else? Because once you give your art to the world, you can't dictate how they're going to perceive it. And not only your art, but also you as a person, because that's the kind of time we live in where a lot of people can't separate the art from the artist. So I definitely try to um, paint a bigger picture for people and get them to dig deep into the material that the different subject matters that they um, write about. So my publishing company is called Odyssey Publishing because I definitely, one, as an English major, we like we tapped on different parts of the Odyssey because Odyssey is long. It's 24 books long. <laughs> it's an epic, you know? But um, a lot of the themes throughout that um, story and overcoming hardships, like it's like bro went through a war and then it still took him 10 years to get home. <laughs> oh, yeah, and so, yeah. and so yeah. I think about how that translates to our everyday lives where we have these different goals and milestones we want to meet. But, you know, just a lot happens along the way. And since I've been in Atlanta, it has definitely happened to me in so many different sectors, like mentally, emotionally, financially, like everything hit me. And it felt as though I still had all of the tools I needed to overcome a lot of those ob obstacles due to the different people I met on my journey. And also because like I practiced it in school, like I... I like to acknowledge the fact that what we call university today might not have been called that way back when, but my grandmother went to a training school. But for all intents and purposes, my family always told me, like once I became a teenager, they're just like, so you think about going to school? Well, all right then. And then when I finally got in, they're just like, oh shit, like you're the first to go to university. 
So when I graduated, that meant a lot to me. And I like put my blood, sweat and tears into it. Like I worked three jobs, if not more throughout my entire college experience. If I wasn't at work, I was in a meeting because, you know, I started, I either started an organization or I was a part of a lot of organizations. It won't end, not or, (laughs) both. Um, I made sure I was definitely involved within my community. And so a lot of those skills when it comes to work ethic and being open-minded and figuring out not only how to learn something or how to teach myself something, but also how to apply it so that I know it's really real. Because I feel like some people just absorb information and take it as fact. And it's like, nah, it, things ain't always like that. It, nothing is linear in this life. So for a lot of the different obstacles and issues I've had in Atlanta, I feel as though I've been on, because I wrote my book in 2020. And so it was like, damn, I I started my college journey, my college career in 2010. And here it is 2020. I'm producing my first book five years after I've graduated. This has been my odyssey and I have a lot to say about it. That's good. (laughs) And so, yeah, that is why, you know, my book is written the way it's written and why the material um, that I chose to focus on, the subject matter I decided to focus on in in this one is the way it is, but also why my publishing company is called that and my consulting agency is called that because I feel as though the different people I meet, you know, they might've been at this for 10 years before, before they ever met me. And so it's like, here I am joining their journey and what are the obstacles we're up against and here's how we're going to overcome that. So yeah, yeah, obviously publishing and alters and affirmations have been my my babies for the last two years that's wonderful man it's cool that you actually took off the greek myth of uh of odysseus and everything you know, like him trying to make a home because i'm a i'm a real deep a greek uh fanatic greek myth greek uh, myth fanatic Where? and everything they even call your whole like like publishing company like odyssey publishing that's that's really so really but cool. the way the way because i got to trademark it as well um so that's my second trademark my first trademark is afro eccentric and that was about a year-long process and so then once i finally figured out what all the requirements were and stuff like that because it started with the copyright so i went through you know the library of congress copyright process first and then i thought of afro eccentric when i was thinking of like a brand name which is something separate in and of itself as well that for like future use but it's one of those things that you know we say to people all the time like don't put it off until tomorrow what you could do today and it's like I might not have really utilized it in the way that I want to yet but I know I'm going to so I went through the process and then found out the trademark process could be anywhere from three months to a year long and because I thought of it during March of 2020 everything got backed up because of you know the pandemic and everything So I I did Afro-eccentric. And then when I thought of Odyssey, of course, I was like, okay, I know I need to make it something distinct. So how do I make it stand out? And so I spell Odyssey with two Ds instead of one, like the original, you know, epic. So yeah, because it's like, it's odd. Everyone is coming into different... um, paths and careers and goals from a different like lens so to speak like I I like to use the photography (laughs) metaphor as well like everyone is viewing life through a different lens and through different experiences that I have to take into account before I can really work with them as a client so I definitely try to 
set that um, open space, that open floor for them prior to diving into a project. It's like, okay, where am I meeting you at? Can I really, can we really come to a meeting of the minds? And when I work with you or I'm doing work for you, such as graphic design or even just doing photography, I wanna make sure that I'm capturing the right picture or that I'm helping somebody else paint the right picture for their audience. Yeah, that's that's really, really cool, man. It's like when I want to if I were to consider publishing a book with somebody, it's OK if I can publish my book with you. Well, send me your material. We could talk about it. For I, sure. I ain't start yet, but it's like I, I'm already going to break it. I already broken down what the characters are and everything. It's just really just a matter of just trying to break down every chapter and how many chapters. I'm awesome. Awesome. So it's like, it's just, it's still going to be a process, but I'm going to definitely consider you and everything. Cause you know, I always try to work with black owned people as best I can, you know, my For next sure. job, it, I like my last job and my next job is I'm trying to work. I, that's, I only work within a black owned home care agencies and stuff, you know? So it's just like, I'm going to be working as like a marketing specialist um for the for the next uh home care agency i'm working for called abundant love care and everything awesome. I'm gonna, yeah i'm gonna meet it meet with her on um on this friday and everything to discuss you know payment and everything and uh, all the other stuff so when i find some time to tonight i'm definitely gonna make a list of things i want to uh push forward with. you know like I, I i graduated from the business school with a focus on marketing so you know that's that's basically like that's amazing i'm gonna be hitting you up too i might need some advice like hey what's going on nowadays how do i get this to the right people yeah. <laughs> that I kind mean, of thing it's still a step-by-step -step process. You know, I'm still trying right. to learn how to do things and everything of that nature. Before I left the last home care agency, I was trying to implement a Google Forms and everything to try to get more clients and everything easier uh, through a link. So we could send a link out instead of them trying to call on the phone and us getting their information little by little, they could just answer the answer everything in the poll and everything and then we can just get their information off that all we had to call for their social security and their medicare number so it's just like you know i was trying to break and i didn't know what to do like google forms before then i just pretty much got on and i just did it and then like you know that was just it you know it's just all a matter of just uh setting up your time right and like so like with this home care agency i might implement something like that maybe add some more google ads um just stuff of that nature i definitely want to push a youtube channel i want to do it for the last one but yes I for sure monetize it yeah no definitely not just monetizing but it's just like you know like if like for home care agencies i want to be able to like bar services and stuff of that nature we could probably just set up um a situation where we can like uh run a testimonial for like you know our clients and our employees from cnas and pca and tell them like you know how good has it been working with and uh being taken care of uh abundant love care you know explain what their experiences was what their life was beforehand and how we improved their lives and stuff you know things of that nature people like visual ads when it comes to stuff of that nature so it's like you know hey maybe i could recommend my grandmother i can recommend uh my my cousin or whatever he has issues he needs a internal nurse and stuff of that nature it's like you know like you know just stuff of that nature it's just i always want to be able to work within the sphere of black owned businesses because i want to be able to really thrive within this decade you know i feel for like sure. we can really really thrive and provide more opportunities for others you know it's like no more complaining about you know racial stigmas on during the workplace or stuff of that nature oh your hair's too kinky or stuff you know what i'm saying you know yeah. it's just like I, I'm not trying to say it's that. like it's sad that we still have to, you know, battle certain things like that in court in 2022. It's like really y'all. Uh, yeah, it's just sometimes it's just better to just work within your sphere. I ain't never had an issue at an HBCU, you know, 
all my issues was just more like just opposed to other things but really it's it a bit just, of both for me yeah. like you said like working within your sphere I definitely take a lot of the challenges that I had in my adolescence when it comes to uh, interacting and socializing with uh, people that aren't of color or even other people that are of color, like they could be Indian, they could be um, Hispanic, you know, whatever, and being in their spaces and showing them what my culture looks like to me. And mm-hmm. having them hopefully, you know, come to or already have a respect for it or demand it <laughs> because it's mm. just like, I, I definitely don't want it to be so much that, okay, yes, we support each other and we're around each other, but the rest of the world continues to get away with erasure because they don't know what something looks like or they don't respect what it looks like or what it could be. And so I definitely don't mind I guess being one of those people that's just like if I have the opportunity to be in a room where I'm the minority okay cool and I will be the representative of that day that says you ought to respect other people how they are and you know do away with your biases and preconceived notions of what you think it is yeah and just the way how like we've been set up in the media and just things of that nature i had my first job at compare foods and you, you know what compare foods is right oh yes compare yeah man i had to work as a busboy there and the type of racial stigma i had to deal with yeah <laughs> like it's, I, it's, I would bag up hard. people's stuff and they would just call yeah. me el coloroso i'm like what wow oh you don't speak espanol i'm like nah but it, like i can't read between that like and you'd be wondering right. who you can like complain this to but it's like you're complaining it to like the same people like it's just like they don't care and stuff of that nature you know i don't want to like shit on that job or whatever i feel like i learned a lot and everything but at the same notion um it's just I feel like but we you never know it. who you might meet along the way when you do have different battles like that and I put that in my book as well where I'm just like there are people I have met that I trust to or have seen in some way shape or form stand up for me when I wasn't able to stand up for myself mm-hmm. and that's so necessary it was necessary during the civil rights movements and I say that for like the LGBT community as well where I've always been an ally of theirs and so, like, when I'm talking to relatives or friends who don't, I guess, respect that, and it's like, what does their lifestyle have to do with you um, unless it comes down to standing up for them, being able to vote or being able to, for them to get married or being able, you yeah. know, just to have basic human rights. And like, they're I've still human beings. Kind of person. Whatever right, you like is what you like. It's none of our business and everything of that nature. Um, and it's just like, it's better to be on the non-aggressive side of history, you know, because I feel like we're at a stage now where they're trying to really stop teaching, like, all the racial aggressions that happened back in Jim Crow. They are definitely And it's it like, down. why are y'all trying to do that? How are we supposed to learn from it? If Erasure. We constantly, you know, yeah, and it's just, it's like, that's really, like, weird that people, like, really take the power. Like, you feel uncomfortable for the things you did when you were, like, in your 10, 20s and everything that you knew was wrong. And like now that your your grandchildren got to learn about the type of pricks you were, mm-hmm. now you want to act scary over it. Like, no, own up to it now. Just act like- I love watching it. Henry Louis Gates documentaries um, covering like finding your roots and the different people 
that he interviews for that as well. That's a really good series. Oh, you mean the one where they had to check their ancestry and stuff? Mm-hmm. Oh, did you see the one with old dude Anderson Cooper and everything? Or you realize that one of his ancestors was like a slave, uh, slaver or slave master? Oh yeah, because I had read up on him separately as well. Like that's I'm I'm one of those Google people. Like I get lost down wormholes of Google and Wikipedia's and then yeah, whatever the links are on Wikipedia, I'll go to that site and I'm just reading up on people and what their histories are what their families have been into and i'm like that with companies as well like if i'm you know lucky enough to get an offer from a company it's like all right but what are y'all really involved in what do y'all do because i know there's just certain things that i don't support and don't want to be a part of yeah no i feel that his 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 ancestor was a slave master or whatever and he can't his his ancestor can't life came to an end trying to fight a slave and a slave like killed him with a rock and everything yeah. and literally this is how you know his growth this is like wow that's crazy it's like aren't you sad it's like no that's what he deserves and everything because it's just yeah. like you know it just tells you like times are always going to change you know and it's just like you know it's just one of those changes in life it's just better to just not be on the aggressive side whatever your beliefs are whatever like whatever don't oppress goes. other people period yeah, <laughs> jesus taught us to be good to all and treat everyone neighbor like you know as if you were to treat yourself like treat everyone like the way you want to be the treated. golden rule exactly and, like, literally like they ignore that every time like you know y'all bring y'all signs saying like you know uh, saying like god hates this god hates this. like who are you to speak for god like you're not a mm. you're not a prophet you're just this follower just live and live in kindness you know show kindness and that's it that's all that matters like y'all really they bastardize the whole christianity aspect and just like use it to like you know oppress and hurt our others and it's just like that's not right you know that's just well yeah different religions are definitely used as a tool to control people because it's like well if you want to get into heaven if not you're gonna burn to hell <laughs> you know and and that's the other thing like i i i try to be not necessarily neutral like well i guess no I'm saying that wrong. I'm thinking about this wrong. You said to be on the non-aggressive side. I try to be on the neutral side where I realize how some people got into what they're doing, whether that's good or bad. And I definitely try to choose the path of fairness. Am I saying that right? Yeah, yeah, just being just being fair, just being neutral, just being respectful, being respectful to others. Because it's just like everything ain't always gonna go somebody's way, but Mm -hmm. there is a better way to do some things. I think that's how I'm trying to say it. Like things ain't always fair, but it could be more fair. (laughs) No, 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 no. no. I I I feel what you're saying. Yeah, I I, I get it. Just what you're saying, but you know, it's just like you know. The only but there are boundaries though. Like I know it's just like for sure. I I feel like they're pushing. I I don't know if you check my story about like the whole um, situation where it's like they're trying to switch uh, the term pedophile to a minor attracted persons. I did see that video. Yeah, shit like that is just flat out wrong. Yeah, it's like nah that's gotta be a no because nah. that's that's being a predator that's not being like attractive exactly anything. you know words mean like, things and call it what it is but it's just like that's what it is you have a certain like feeling like, you know when uh when you have a certain interest in children that's just not uh, highly inappropriate that's highly inappropriate it's just like no you can't condone that stuff in nature because you know they're right not, they're not old enough exactly. to make that it's decision like, it's like i might want everyone to have basic human rights and like access to healthcare and 
different things like that. But I don't necessarily condone everything that they might want to do. However, that does not give me the right to interject myself in whatever battles they might be facing. It's like, all right, that is something you want specifically for y'all. And that's your battle to fight. But if it's something that I as a human being have, and it's just like, it's something that all human beings should have, then I'm definitely fight for that. Yeah, no, no, certainly, certainly, for real. And it's just like, you know, this is selfishness with that. And it's just like, you know, like when it comes to representation, you know, like even even racial, like just even showing like even like positive, shown in a positive light with like, you know, figures like a Black Panther, you know, or like in the coming to America with like the whole kingdom of the <laughs> being put in like a good letter even like in the michael jackson uh, remember the time video that had like eddie murphy as like uh the pharaoh and everything and everybody was just you know that that was like the first of its kind you know you know you know so we're exactly. still this day trying to fight uh for that the golden business. era you know and it's like you got to really you know clap for people like uh tyler perry and everything you know running his own uh i mean his own company I ha- and see that's the thing it's like i might like what tyler perry has done for the community However, I do not necessarily like all of the content that he has put out and how it represents Black women, especially. Oh, really? So like two also. things can be true at the same time for some things. I feel as though he has... Because I grew up on Tyler Perry, like back yeah, when he like was on Off-Broadway, but I feel as though when it comes to his script writing and for big films, he definitely got lazy over time and he sticks to certain tropes that has shown it negatively affects the image of Black women and it perpetuates a lot of the issues that Black families face and it doesn't necessarily give commentary that helps to resolve those issues. It just keeps showing the same image and i feel as though he could do better when it comes to that especially but i still respect oh yeah yeah, definitely he is you know yeah how how and where he has gotten to where he is but i do know and believe that he could if not could have done that he still could do better he could switch it up just a little bit. Not even going. Not even going lie. I would like to because I know he had dire a black mad woman. But let's like try to see the perspective of like you know from from a black man and just kind of see like what his issues with you know and the. It's and like the, how did we get here exactly? Yeah, yeah. You know, like let's just speak on both perspectives and everything. You know, I know he was kind of criticized for like you know showcasing um i think there was like an episode of the boondocks <laughs> i was like showcasing like how like he always picks like you know when it comes to picking like uh, the love interest uh, for the main character it's always light skin oh no always a light skin dude I have, <laughs> with the bad i can't even remember the last time he picked like a dark skin guy like i think it was just like you know light skin and if it is is it a bad person yeah. like you know exactly it perpetuates a certain image that we've already yeah. been trying to deconstruct through the use of other forms of entertainment and that's why I've always gravitated toward the way things are expressed in art and what is shown and represented because if people don't see it it's hard to believe that they can also be it how they say so I've definitely always been adamant about that and the breath of fresh air was daddy's little girls because it was like you know it's like it was from a different perspective this time but then does the mother have to be strung out on drugs in the movies i mean is that why they're daddy's girls like, i mean no 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 I the mother like wasn't strung always, out on drugs but the mother there's was always a hook with tyler perry 
<laughs> yeah, but it's like, you know, that's just, it does reflect certain issues in the black community, you know? So on that part, I can really like defend the kind of showcase. like. On but how part. many productions has he produced at this point that a majority of it still leans toward that same trope, mm. you know? And is it helping or hurting the community? And the community is saying, bro, come on now. <laughs> and what is what does he continue to do? That's what, what you, I'm saying. What do you think in your own words? Like what, what tropes do you feel like he needs to start showcasing or perspectives you feel like? I mean, what I mentioned before, and that's the thing, when it comes down to it at the end of the day, that is his time and his money to do with what he wants to do. Oh, surely. Right? So all I can do as an individual is not support the ones that I don't necessarily agree with that I hear about or read reviews about where or the plot about where I'm like okay do I agree with this I just think there's a different approach there's a different lens that things could be cast through that is that uplifts us more so than it serves as like um what do they call it a minstrel show how they say Mm, I mean heck I guess I can see where the minstrel elements uh, rely on uh, as timeless as the character as a Medea or a Mr. Brown or even a Joe um, would. <laughs> Joe has me cracking up with the movies. <laughs> Sorry, it's like Joe will be the main character that has me laughing. But it's like, uh, but yeah, you know, um, but still you got to give Tyler Perry his flowers and he's still pretty young. Like, he can sure. still make more Absolutely. plays and more movies and everything to give uh, layway um, and more um, and more uh, representation um, to all types of perspectives and everything of that nature. How do you feel the production goes? Um, I, I, what are you feeling on the production on the show Atlanta? Bro, don't even get me started. I can talk about Atlanta all day. <laughs> okay, but like, it's show. generally positive, generally positive from your perspective. I feel as though, I mean, there are, I, this is from emotional memory more so than like remembering the script, but I do feel as though Atlanta as a whole, um, the show has definitely provoked different discussions and that's just Gambino in general, just him as a person, let alone an entertainer, let alone like a, um, a producer and scriptwriter and everything. I feel as though he has been one of those representations of what something could look like. Mm-hmm. And oh, it's yeah. not o- only just like as a Black man, but also like within a community and within certain circumstances and situations and scenarios that other people find themselves in but maybe don't talk about and you see a lot of that throughout the show to the point that it it's so surreal and yet it's just like nah this really be happening (laughs) like he knows how to take it just far enough for some episodes and then there are some episodes that I feel like might have could have been approached a different way but you know it's like who am I to say it got me at least thinking about certain things and talking about certain things so I really enjoy the way they um they produce that show on top of the fact that you know it's not just him directing and writing certain episodes it it'd be from different perspectives of the the other actors as well yeah so I think that's really cool yeah, no, really, like, uh, it's crazy how his show pretty much, like, like, what's that word, like, pretty much predicted the whole June, uh, Juneteenth 
Clayton <laughs> situation. And literally, like, uh, literally, um, even when the whole fake Drake uh, situation with the whole people just came to the place just to take pictures of like how out. people treat celebrities nowadays. Yeah, not, not just that, but just like how like people like will literally get fake Drake and like fake Chris Brown to show up for a meet and greet and everything, and how like it's just like people would still even show up for events like that. You know, uh, it's, it's a reflection. I can't believe this is gonna be their last season. I'm heartbroken. Well, this is the third season, right? Or is it the fourth? It's gonna be the fourth one, I believe. They said it'll be the last. Yeah. And it would still be a damn good show because it kind of started with the whole YouTube video of clapping for all the wrong reasons. Have you seen uh, the YouTube video of Childish Gambino clapping for all the wrong reasons? No, I gotta check that out. Wonderful. Great. (laughs) Check it out. Look up uh, Childish Gambino or. uh, Donald Glover uh, clapping for all the wrong reasons. That's basically Will the do. precursor, the precursor to uh, Atlanta. If you really enjoyed it in Atlanta, definitely check that out. Like it makes me want to be like going to acting and then videography on that and stuff of that nature. Thank no, you. seriously, because it's on. so nuanced. There's so much nuance <laughs> exactly. with it, and it's just like it just makes like wow, you can really just you can really you just like really dive into that universe too, where it's exactly it's its own world without being like oh this is how Elena is every day it's not like that it's like it just be the hijinks and scenarios of it all and then even with them traveling to Europe and seeing things from that perspective I think was really cool but then they'll bring it back and they dive into like the history of Lake Lanier and why black people shouldn't be out there during summertime or any time really for that matter or anybody (laughs) you know it just it's different things like that that I like how he's able to branch out but then bring it back in branch out and bring it back in like it's a really good show it's well produced it's great it's crazy how like like some writers like us can really like really delve into like can really like gel on the understanding of how important Childish Gambino's contribution is and we'll definitely look back on it like a decade from now and be like wow he really was an all-rounder to think about it, comedian, musician. But that's also because he started from early YouTube days when it came to sketch shows. I think that helped him so much. Like even before he got on community, like I remember watching something where he talked about, he was just like, it's just people uploading videos to YouTube on the internet, like back in the early 2000s. And he and some other people, you know, they really, they dived into that. So getting people to really delve into, like you said, like delve into a universe in that way, and yet it's just like everyday shit. It's 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 some type of technique and he got it. <laughs> yeah, it all <laughs> starts with it. consistency, man. And that's definitely yeah. something. But I'll, I know we got like less than like two minutes and everything. Just kind of right. to wrap it up. I just want to say if you ha- got any like last words to let the audience know before we go off uh, for episode 92, you're free to do so. For sure, for sure. So um, as I mentioned, this is my first book, Alters and Affirmations. If you need some type of text that is filled with affirmations, some relatable experiences, some poetry, some resources to help you get through or over obstacles, this is definitely a book for you. It can be purchased on my website, which is alexandrea.com. I also have a publishing company. Things that are registered with the state, y'all. Like I did my homework, I'd be doing my things. Um, and you need like workshop and, and financing options and things of that sort. That can also be on my website. Um, Odyssey Publishing, Odyssey Consulting. If you need services for photography, videography, graphic design, or um, 
coaching and help on forming your own business, definitely hit me up for that. I will have a website for that coming up soon, which I will post on my website and on my social medias when it is finished. Um, and just in general, if you would like to collaborate, if you have events coming up, if you would like me to be a feature, I featured in goodness knows so many different places, like over 50 locations by now. So um, no, that's the one minute, just letting you know. know. Just letting you know, Miss Andre. I know we can go no off problem. Yeah, no, I just that's don't that's want that's to that's cut that's you off and I'm going to have been rude and everything, just letting you know. Well, yeah, because no, we got less than a minute. That was it. That's everything. All right, cool. Wonderful. Thank you, Miss Alex Andre. That was a Thank wonderful episode, wonderful conversation. Me. No, seriously, but that's it for episode 94 of the